Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monorail Radio, episode number 246. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to wrap up our review of the Cars franchise as of today. Until we don't have any more ideas and then inevitably a fourth film comes with the <laughs> with a review and discussion of Cars 3. Um, yes, so I am... What a difference. I feel so different this week sitting to record this episode. I'm happy to be here. Not that I'm ever not happy to sit and have a conversation and host the show, but I have a different level of excitement because we are talking about Cars 3 as opposed to talking about Cars 2. Because it feels like a Cars movie. We are back in the world that they established. I honestly had forgotten so much of this, though. Yeah, I, for some reason, even though I liked this film more than the second film, uh, even on its first watch, it's not one that I have gone back to that often. And, you know, we can discuss at the end. Um, we'll rank the Cars movies and, and talk about, you know, if we think that this is one that you would go back to all that often. But, yeah, I, I forgot basically the entire plot of this, which is wild considering how much of the plot is tied to the original. And as I had mentioned last week, um, they planted, they really planted the idea for this movie in the second movie, but didn't follow through with any of it in the second film. So there is just so much to discuss and so much to break down um, that I think it's just about to, we should just get right into it because I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about this one. I'm surprised though it wasn't more memorable for you because they delve so much into the history of racing. Yes. Do they delve in as much as they did in the first movie? Does this feel like a natural end to the trilogy? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by Fierce Fox Co., designers of handmade silkscreen shirts. Fierce Fox has a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or crew neck for every fandom. So whether it's the movies or theme parks, princesses or villains, the MCU or Star Wars, everyone will find something they love. The designs range from subtle quotes from our favorite films to iconic characters we can wear proudly in so many different styles, such as sketchbook and concert tees. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 20% discount using the code Monoreal at checkout. Visit FierceFoxCo.com to check out all of the collections. Seven-time Piston Cup champion Lightning McQueen comes face-to-face with next-gen car Jackson Storm, a rookie who trains on the best simulator in the business. While other veterans retire, Lightning wishes to keep racing. In the last race of the season, Lightning wrecks ending his year and putting his next season up in the air. Lightning decides not to retire and heads to the new Rusty's Racing Center, where he learns that they have been sold to Sterling, who has reinvested into the company. There, Lightning meets Cruz Ramirez, a trainer who pushes cars to be their best. It becomes clear to Lightning that they believe him to be old and past his prime, so he forces himself into the simulator where he is very much over his head. Following the disastrous performance, Sterling tells Lightning that his future is as a brand rather than a racer. Lightning makes a deal with him that if he wins the Florida 500, his retirement is up to him, and if he loses, he will in fact retire. 
Lightning wants to train on dirt tracks, so Sterling sends Cruz with him, and it becomes clear that she does not know how to train or drive outdoors, so Lightning helps her learn how to drive in the elements. Lightning starts to train at Doc's old tracks, starting at Thunder Hollow, where Lightning and Cruz find themselves in a demolition derby, which Cruz wins. Lightning and Cruz bicker after the race, and Lightning accidentally breaks the trophy that she won, so she quits and she leaves. Feeling remorseful, Lightning talks to Mater about his future and how it may be coming to a close. He then makes amends with Cruz and invites her to join him in looking for Smokey, an old friend of Doc's. They go to Thomasville, Georgia, run a lap on the old dirt track, and meet Smokey, who helps Cruz and Lightning train to beat Jackson Storm the old-fashioned way. And they run into a few more of the original racing legends that were friends of Doc's as well. They get to Florida International, where Lightning races well, but not well enough. Sterling tries to send Cruz back to the training center. However, Lightning changes places with her and becomes her crew chief as she races as the number 95. Using what they learned in Thomasville, Cruz wins the race, but Lightning also gets credit since he started the race as the 95 and she ended the race as the 95. They are both credited with the win. Um, Sterling offers her a job, but she instead takes an offer from Dynaco, who also buys Rusty's from Sterling. Lightning decides at that point that he is going to become her crew chief. Observation. Yes. The plot of Cars 3 sounds so simplified, but the film is so layered and so much deeper. And then when you did the plot last week... It's so much more convoluted, but it doesn't get that deep. Correct. So but already vast difference. Yeah, but we we took an hour and change just piling on to Cars Two last week. I would prefer not to do that again this week. No, uh, but you're right. Like on paper, it's a very simple plot, but it delves into emotion. It delves into the past, and it. You have a reaction to this that you don't have uh, to the second film. You have a reaction in this film that in, in many instances you don't have in the first film. I feel like this one is more of a character study. I mean, we talked about last week that the most jarring thing about Cars 2 is the genre flip and how it changes tonally to become a spy movie. So now we are definitely back to our roots, but... Instead of just having this character study of lightning, we have a character study for multiple cars and there's just these really great overall themes talking about society and the generation gap and people constantly butting heads over which way is better. Well, it's also a microcosm for professional sports in general. Right. You know, eventually your heroes age out and they're pushed aside for the new shiny thing. So, like, they, they do delve into all of that, and they do it, I think, I think they do it very well, actually. Um, but, yeah, from the jump, this finally feels like a Cars movie. Yeah, this is a great reset, especially with the flashback to Doc. Yeah, I love that we are now a few years removed from the second film. We now have seven Piston Cups, for Lightning McQueen. Um, I like, I mean, we talked about this last week, how they hit on Doc's passing and then 
as far as we knew in Cars 2, they weren't going to really address it and explore it. I like that. I mean, I didn't like it for Cars 2, but I like that it was a pin that we now get to fully, we get to pull out and explore a lot more and, and get into how this loss affects lightning. Right, because basically they planted early on in the movie. This is a very full circle moment because lightning wins the first race that we see in the film. By the way. Looks amazing. Yeah. Looks great. The race, I mean, the animation's insane. They always do. And we talked about that in the first one, how they were able to just capture an event of this scope and just make it look so real. But they, I feel like they one-upped themselves in this regard because that was a night race, so you had all the lights going off. Now here, it's daytime. You see the gravel on the ground. Um I love how they captured everything again, but they built on it because now you see this camaraderie between Lightning and the rest of these veteran racers. Yeah. The old school versus the new school. It looks fantastic. And I, it only dawned on me when I sat to watch this for the second time through three Cars movies. Because Lightning wins the first race that we see in this film. It's only the second race that we actually see Lightning win in the entire franchise. He wins one race. We see him win one race in the second film. We don't actually see him win any races in the first movie. Because he pushes... Uh, he pushes the king to the, the finish line. The king to the finish line, yeah. And, and here, yeah, I do have that note for later that he passes the baton to Cruz. So we don't yeah. see him win his last race. So... He only wins two, and I only realized that when I when I watched this the other day. But with that's all that... a narrow definition of what win means, though, Sean. What did he really win? Well, seven piston cups apparently, <laughs> but we didn't get to see any of them. Um, but it's full circle because this next gen car, Jackson Storm, comes out of nowhere and goes on this big winning streak, and people start questioning: Can the veteran keep it up? Or is it going to be the rookie? So you literally turn the clock back to the first film, but you put lightning in the in the King's perspective and you put Jackson Storm in Lightning's perspective. And I think that it's really smart that they did that they that they did it this way. I have that exact note, so I'm not going to repeat it, but it also is a parallel to Lightning's relationship with Doc. Yes, because that wreck the last race of the season, the again, the animation in it is unbelievable, by the way. Um, it's almost the exact same thing that happened to Doc, and now it's happening to Lightning. So as their stories parallel, it's really, really well done. It's very tough to watch Lightning wipe out like this because, you know, not only is he our main character, but over the three films, you've really grown to love him. So you don't want to see this happen to him. Um, what I also love here, just because this film ties everything up so well, uh, you've got Chick Hicks now as the commentator, though they did not get Michael Keaton back. And it stands out like a sore thumb that it's not the same actor. It does. But you've still got the same type of ribbing towards lightning. But it's all, you know, it plays into, like I said before, 
you've got this really great camaraderie. And I feel like they really did such a great job of capturing that racing community here. For sure. Um, But I love how they connect to Doc immediately. Lightning goes back to the garage. Very much like Doc. He removes himself for a long time. He He's not talking about racing. Nobody sees him. His his decals are gone. He's just down to primer. Literally stripped down. I love this scene, though. Like, I love the projector. I love this old footage of Doc. And then it comes to a screeching halt because as a result of Cars 2, Lightning and Sally's relationship is completely underdeveloped. Yes. Seven piston cups later... And they still feel like they're maybe they've been dating for like a month. Are we or aren't we? Yeah, I mean, he does say I love you in the second one, I believe. And do I expect to see these cars kiss and and put their bumpers together? Like, no, I don't need it spelled out that much. But it doesn't have the familiarity that a relationship that's gone at least seven years should have at this point. I mean, yes, Sally does know him best because she's the one giving him that nudge of, Hey, get back, get back out there, get back in the ring. You decide when you want to end things. And she always has been that voice of reason for him. Um, Maybe not in the second one so much encouraging Mater to go with lightning but in the first one certainly because when he promises made her the helicopter ride she's like are you really gonna do that and like she's basically spelling out for him be the good person that i know you can be yeah um i unfortunately for her she becomes more and more underdeveloped as the as the franchise goes on she's reduced to a plot point correct that's the one thing that they don't manage to elevate in this film. Um, but what they do great, I love that Rusty's is still with Lightning um, and they're one step ahead with changing with the times with this racing center that they've built for him. I love the racing center and I love that they sold the company. Yeah, it's so fitting. Again, it even ties up their story as two minor characters and they're still doing the don't drive like my brother joke. So you get like a nice little retread there, but you have to look at it as it's not just lightning's career that has progressed. People are also they're aging, they're retiring. So I love that they tied all of that up in a bow with the rusties guys, even though they were completely left out of cars too. Um, But I thought this training facility was really clever. Both, in the exercises that they're having the cars do. And again, it plays to that theme of the changing times. Right. Because you have Sterling sets up this museum, so to speak, this display for lightning. And he's tugging at his heartstrings. Cause he's got, he's got a dock tribute in there with the dirt from the three tracks that he ran on. And you ultimately know that he doesn't have any interest in running lightning like we know this is where it's going he's got all of his next gen cars on the treadmills and then we get introduced to cruz ramirez who is like an infomercial trainer from the start she's hilarious with her little like song and we're bouncing and really funny it is very funny we almost lose lightning again though 
with this simulator because to me we are back at act one of cars one where his ego is just getting in the way of everything and i know that see here's where it's really well done though they have raised the stakes because he's got so much to lose he's got his entire career on the line he's got to prove that he still got it so he doesn't want to i mean it's a great metaphor for thinking that he knows better and not listening to the younger generation and not taking in anyone else's ideas, which is consistent with his character in Cars 1, but it's for different reasons now. Um, but he does still have that sort of chip on his shoulder of, I know better, I know what I need, I'm the pro racer, I'm not going to do these fundamentals of your training, I just want to get on the simulator so I can prove that I can do this. And then he eats it. I, I agree with Lightning. When you're a seven-time Piston Cup champion, you have the ability to sit there and say, I'm going to jump on the simulator. Just let me on. I know how to do this. I learned the old school way. I've got seven years of success that we know of. Um, and yeah, I, I, he doesn't need to grab your lunch, grab your lunch, take a nap, take a nap. <laughs> like He's also fighting for, he's fighting for his career, but he's also, when you carry that much legacy with you I don't look at it as so much he's got a chip on his shoulder like he did in the first movie because he had proved nothing in the first film now he's proved it and he's being told no that's not how we do things anymore it's like the way I feel about analytics in baseball get rid of it I don't like it a majority of baseball fans don't like it we don't like as they have been coined nerds with computers making decisions on who bats in the lineup, designated rest days, who pitches in what inning and how many. No, you go from the gut, you do what works. I'm going to go ahead and sympathize with Lightning McQueen on this one. Oh, I agree. There are certain things that computers are never going to be able to do that only the human brain can. Um, you know, and... That's a great theme to have in this movie because it is still very much timely right now. Um, but I think that does go back to the question that they're posing uh, with this theme. It's not a question of who's right. It's it's a matter of taking the new and the old and taking from both experiences to figure out what works best. So now it's sort of flipping on well, yes, you do have this new state-of-the-art facility. And yes, Cruz does have these new methods. And no, Lightning is not going to listen to them. But Lightning is not just anyone. He's not only a veteran, but because he's had so many accolades and because he's had this incredible legacy, there is something to be said for you need to respect your elders here. And not just because he's an elder, because... He's got the chops to back this up. Yeah, he's done it better than anybody else. Um, and to your point, there needs to be a balance between new and old. But the thing is, they plant very early on here that Sterling and Cruz, they don't see the need for the balance because we're just going to do it the new way. Yeah, it's just all new. Exactly. Which very rarely works out. Um, let's talk about his legacy. You used that term before. Um, 
in the scene that follows him crashing and burning through the simulator, he has a scene with Sterling where Sterling, it's like watching Gusto being turned into a brand. Um, yeah. Where it's the mud flaps and it's the online racing school and it's toys and it's this and it's that. Everything that Lightning was dreaming about in Cars 1. Right. And it's being presented to him and he says, well, this kind of seems like something I'd do in my retirement. And that's where Sterling says, yeah, we're not going to race you again. This, this, this is your legacy. This is the golden parachute. It's a very tough scene. But I love the response from Lightning. Yeah. That he he says, give me one more race, and if I can win it, then I determine when I retire. Because losing one race is not going to damage everything that he's accomplished. Sticking around for too long? Yeah. Every, every sport has athletes that's stuck around longer than they should have, and they paid for it in the end. But... I like his approach, and I like that he's going to show them that old school still works against these next-gen cars. Let me ask you, though, because you know infinitely more about racing than I do and just sports in general. How accurate do you think this is? I mean, I agree with your point of, yes, there are athletes that stick around past their prime, and especially when they're your heroes and you don't want to say goodbye to them. It is very sad to watch. But... How much control do they have over their own career, deciding if they do want to stay or, you know, are they sometimes put out to pasture before their prime? Um, column A and column B. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, and obviously you'll, you'll suspend reality to a certain extent, next-gen cars wouldn't be racing against former generation cars they bring everything yeah. out at the same time yeah but for the purpose of the film and, and I, I and at the time nascar was rolling out with the next gen cars which proved to not be the best cars that nascar ever put out they very much took the stock out of stock car um so to go hand in hand with that i thought was very smart it depends um there are legends in NASCAR that will not have their contracts renewed even when they should for a multitude of reasons. Part of it is the longer these guys hang around, the more wins they have, the bigger they build their legacy. And, you know, there's only a handful of them of the, you know, of the 30 something cars, 40 cars that you see go out every week. You can count on one hand, the legends, right? But you have a lot of other guys that are up and coming. Well, when those up and comers start winning more races, they start demanding the money that the legends are demanding. And the thing is, you can't pay both of them. Right. So you got to pick one. And you may look at a guy like a Kyle Bush is a perfect example. Love him or hate him. And most people hate him. Um, he left his race team this year to go to Richard Childress because it came down to money. You know, the guys won a handful of NASCAR cups. He's a legend. Love him or hate him, he's a legend in the sport whose contract was not renewed. So, you know, Joe Gibbs let him go because Joe Gibbs has to invest his money in other racers. It's just, 
this is how it goes. And a lot of racers will tell you that as they get older, see, it's different when they're 23, 24, 25 years old. They're young. They're far more aggressive. Right. A lot of them aren't married yet, don't have kids. They'll take the wreck. That Things are different when you get older because now they start thinking about, well, I got a wife and kids. I can't be as aggressive anymore. Right. As you get older, you, you mentally calm down. You're not as aggressive, but also in that field, you will take you'll take a more conservative approach because when you got nobody to go home to but yourself and you're trying to build your legacy, you'll take chances that you're not willing to take as you get older. And as you get older, the injuries, you can crash and walk away in your 20s. You don't crash and walk away quite as easily in your 40s. So they do start to taper off. Like people go, well, you're not doing anything but driving a car. Yeah, but mentally you take very it different. taxing it is very taxing and you know those cars are 120 130 degrees even just take the take the speed out of it think about you know a road trip that you've been on when you're in the car for eight hours how much you start to cramp it so imagine doing that driving in circles for hours and hours and every time a next generation car comes out it gets a little bit harder for some of these guys to control them um, it's a lot of computers now in these things. So no, it's, it is, there are some guys that have like, a, for example, a lightning McQueen could probably race as long as he wanted to, because the Rusty's racing team and that brand was built on his back. So in his case, mm-hmm. he'll probably go until he says, I'm not going anymore. But that's the long answer to the short question. It does happen. It will continue to happen. Would it have happened to a Lightning McQueen? Probably not. So sort of similar to baseball in that regard where if a player decides that he wants to continue and his career is not over yet and he's not retiring and he's on your favorite team but he gets traded to a different team, he decided that he's still going to play but you no longer have him. Sports are a professional business yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but I like that we're ditching the simulator and that we are going out onto the beach and that we're going to learn how to race the old-fashioned way. Life's a beach and then you drive. This is also such a great switcheroo between Lightning and Cruise because now... He's got to get his speed up. She's trying to help time him. The The comedy bit, by the way, that she's dragged a simulator onto the beach just so he she thinks that he wants to have his surroundings and she thinks that he's still going to run on this thing. That's a great sight gag. But what I love that's happening here is that the next generation's inexperience gets exposed because Cruz is holding up his training. She's trying to time him, but because she has no idea how to drive on the beach... He's got to take all this time out that he should be training just to get her up to speed. So it's a great switch there. Yes. And as he gets more and more frustrated over wasting and losing time, I think that that's great for him. This is one of those instances where if, if people go, well, he's regressing and being an ego. No, he's wasting his time because the people, the, the, the car that he, that has been forced upon him that's going to tell him what to do does not know what they are doing. And and this is yes. one of the very few flaws with this movie. Um, I'm going to jump ahead 
to come back. We have a scene later where Cruz quits on Lightning because Lightning breaks her trophy. And she goes, do you think I dreamt of being a trainer? Did I run all those laps before school and work hard to be a trainer? No, I wanted to be a race car because I emulated you. Now, it's a great moment for that scene. It's a great moment for Cruz. However, you're sitting here telling me that you spent all of this time to yeah. be a race car. And it happens. Some There's that old adage of those who can't do, teach. Now, it's different because she was marginalized and pushed to the side. But there are people that end up being coaches because you're skilled enough and you're knowledgeable enough where you can coach, but you weren't at the level where you could participate professionally. That does happen. But I find it hard to believe that you have this moment of, I did all of this and I trained and I worked and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but I don't actually know how to do any of this stuff. That's a problem they wrote themselves into a corner. You don't realize it until later. So by that point, unless you do what we do and we're sitting here watching a movie two or three times over the course of three days to prepare for a conversation, you'll forget that that existed. Mm -hmm. But when you watch a movie on Tuesday and you watch the same movie on Wednesday and you're looking for things, they wrote themselves into a corner. And it's kind of sloppy. Yeah. I'll buy that her speed isn't there and maybe that's why she couldn't become a racer herself and she's not going to be able to keep up with lightning but you're telling me that she doesn't know how to to drive straight I mean that's something that I don't think they needed to spend that much time in as far as like okay well this is how you drive in the sand it could have been like a one-off line and then she learns to do it but then it's oh no I'm gonna drive over a crab like yeah, I, I think they kind of if they had cut out of this scene a little bit earlier and didn't lean so hard into her being inept, I it would have played better. We're, we're supposed to buy her by the end of the movie as being a marginalized character that always had it in her and was never given her chance. But then things like, oh, I don't want to drive over a crab. It's cute. It's. This, of 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 all the good writing in the movie, and I think the movie all in all is very well written, this is not only the worst writing in the movie, this is just bad writing. Yeah, because they could have very easily leaned into the idea of she couldn't get ahead in her career simply because she was a woman. And, you know, at this point, you've had Danica Patrick, who skyrocketed to, to fame as a racer, and it would have been nice to incorporate that element because you've just had that glass ceiling broken by a woman, you know, a f not a few years earlier, but certainly in the recent history before this film came out. So they certainly could have leaned into that a little bit more. Um, but where I think they do get it right is this Thunder Hollow scene. And now she gets roped in completely out of her depth and she's able to come out on top with lightning's help, of course. But um, I just love this entire sequence. Um, the grassroots nature of it, um, the race itself, the mud lightning's disguise, how they cover him up because there is the throwaway line. I think Luigi says it. Um, and I love that Luigi and Guido have been with them the entire time helping out. 
Um, but I believe it's Luigi who says, if people see you, you're going to have your picture taken. So that's why they cover him up in mud. Uh, Mac has this great party bus disguise on him. And then it's all revealed at the end because Cruz overturns a water tank and it completely washes the mud off of lightning and they're exposed. But the whole scene is great. It's great comedy. It's wonderful animation. Um, and it's tools that they're planting that they are going to later utilize in Cruz's race. Uh, so I think this was all just really well done. I love the scene because it reminds me of going to Riverhead Raceway. I knew you were going to say Not that. that. And Riverhead Raceway is an asphalt track, but they ran figure eights. Yeah. So I remember going as a kid and it was a big deal. It would be they're running figure eights and they're doing a demolition derby. So I love that they worked that in because that is such a old school grassroots sort of racing uh, tradition that I, you know, I mentioned when we reviewed the first film that they do so much in, in bringing the history of stock car racing into that film. The fact that they're doing it again here is it's perfection. And I love that this particular style of racing is included. Um, and I think that you needed a moment where uh, lightning and crews are, uh, going to kind of bicker and butt their heads because, yes, she wins this demolition derby with help from him. But at the end of the day, demolition derbies are not they're not races. OK, they're they're just smash em ups for fun. You know, somebody that's they used to do. They used to call it uh, run what you brung is what they used to mm. call these races. People would just take their own cars or whatever cheap car they had. And they would just race them. And whatever happened, happened, right? Someone would show up with a $500 car and whatever happens, happens. Um, it's it's there for fun. It's there for thrill. It's there to see cars crash. And it's it's a great it's a great night out. Drink a few beers, watch a demolition derby. It's a lot of fun. But I can see from Lightning's perspective how it's not real racing. He's embarrassed that he's been exposed because, as you said, the water get, gets washed off of him. And now all of these people that are poking fun at him, like a Chick Hicks, like a Sterling, that don't believe that he still has it in him, they're looking at it as like, it's like, it's like participating in professional wrestling. And it's like, what is he doing? This legend is just showing up in disguise to do this. Yeah, I could see where it's going to hurt his brand and reputation and where it's going to hurt uh, whether or not people take him seriously, because ultimately his whole thing this entire time is to show people that he's not over the hill. To your point, though, about Cruz winning the trophy, we don't know her backstory just yet. So this is a big deal for her. And then in the next scene, when Lightning breaks the trophy, which you mentioned before, we're going to see why it is so big and why this now hurts her so much that her trophy is broken. Because this is this is the only race that she's ever not only ever participated in, but she managed to get herself a win. Right. Um, however, I feel like this is where we get another character regression from lightning. Um, because this isn't about ego necessarily where he's telling people off, but we have seen these outbursts from him, not once, but twice with Mater where he says too much and it cuts too deep and the person that's trying to help him is is cast off. So now she goes off on her own. So it's 
kind of like, did we really need to see this again in the third film? Like, have how have we not grown out of this? I mean, I get plot wise where you have to separate the two of them, but character wise, we shouldn't be doing this. And then it negates even further because Lightning calls home. He calls Radiator Springs to check in. Doesn't check in with Sally because, again, a seven-year relationship and and you don't call to check in with her. He checks in with Mater, who, according to Cars 2, should be out on the road with him. Right, because he says, I'm taking you to all of my races from now on. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm perfectly uh, content if we're just going to ignore that Cars 2 ever existed. So if this is just the, well, it's not really canon and uh, we're going to ignore it and move on. I'm I'm kind of okay with it. But to your point, yes. You have a very specific line in the film that you don't follow through with. I mean, I will admit to being very picky, but because this film is overall so good, that's why I am being critical of the minutia here. Um, but they do pick it right back up because um I love this idea of going to meet his mentor's mentor. So Lightning learns of Smokey, who mentored Doc back in the day, and he goes to find him. Um, Again, this is what this franchise, well, I shouldn't say franchise as a whole, but what the first one did so well is you just capture these towns and moments in time. I love this little bar that Lightning finds himself at and he's meeting Doc's friends and it's just these old timers telling their old racing stories. And I love, love, love how they delve into the history of racing here. And we get to see it. Like they actually take us out onto the moonshine run. I love that they did this. Yeah. So you get introduced to... Smokey, right? And as you said, he was the mentor of Doc. So you get that uh, that lineage there. You get Louise Barnstormer Nash, a female, who's a retired Piston Cup racer from the 1950s. And based off of a real person, not a Piston Cup winner, but they did base these characters off of the first uh, woman racer and... Um, first black racer as well yeah so river scott is the other one so you get these three legends yeah this is why i think i love this film so much is because it's it's everything i loved about the first movie it's that as a race fan you take so much care to talk about the lineage and the history um that i think that doing it here is is spectacular and I love the old school stories and let me add that I also love that they talk about these old tracks mm-hmm. um because that's something that's be that that's becoming more and more popular now uh you know Dale Jr for Peacock had his Lost Raceways series which has now concluded which is sad I wish that they would do more of them but I believe it has concluded where he finds these old abandoned racetracks that are overgrown. They're still there. They're overgrown, but they still exist. And they talk about the history and the things that that happened there and how the foundation of NASCAR was built on these tracks. 
And you're starting to see some of them. North Wilkesboro, it, 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 they reopened it and, and they repaved it and they held the they held the all star race there this year. Grassroots, small towns, you know, these Riverhead Raceways is, is it shouldn't exist anymore in New York. And it does because it's the only show in town and people love it enough where it's always going to be there. My hope is that it never closes. It never goes away, which is why I'm so excited eventually to get up to New Smyrna and go see some racing there because it's going to be like going to Riverhead Raceway, you know, down here. Um, but I love that they touch on this and that you see these tracks are st- now are starting. And this movie, very much ahead of its time, you see these tracks in the film are starting to get recognition and they're starting to get people again. And, and now that it's happening in real life, it's 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 life imitating art in all of the ways that it should. Um, I, I don't want to see any more of these tracks get demolished for a shopping mall or a condo complex or a parking lot or Amazon. I, I want to see these tracks reopen. So I love that it exists in this movie. And it's also so balanced because they took the tiniest seed from Cars 2 with Doc coaching Lightning. And now they've built a whole nother backstory um, as far as his relationship to his mentor. I mean, we know that Doc was coaching him, but... Now we also get to see Doc's history and then what happened after he became so disillusioned with racing and then how that breathed new life into him once he started working with Lightning from the people that are closest to him. I I just love this whole sequence. And then, again, the training is is so much fun that they did the moonshine run in the dark with no headlights. And I, I love that they pull from the history too, because I feel like a lot of people don't know that, that that's really where this originated is that you had the, you know, it, it's like some of, some of the biggest solutions came from having the need to smuggle alcohol and drugs. Yeah, it's true. Um, I love that they, that they didn't shy away from the moonshining, yeah. but they did it in such a way where, you know, a kid doesn't understand. They just say, oh, the moon is shining. Yeah. We're moonshining. So a kid doesn't get it, but an adult, oh, wow, clever Pixar writing. We got away from that for two hours in the last film, but here we are. We're back. Um, See, and that you can do with a wink and a nod to the adults, make it fitting for kids, and there's no body count. I know. Imagine that. Um, I loved... And admittedly got a little choked up. I, I'm not above admitting it. When Smokey says that he hadn't heard from Doc in nearly 50 years after the accident, that Doc was going into his seclusion, and he started getting letters again. Oh, yeah. And he opens up the garage, and what are the letters from Doc? They're all about Lightning McQueen. There's like a little lightning shrine in there. I absolutely love that they put this in this film because remember any scenes with doc in them, they were using unused audio Mm -hmm. from the first film. Um, So the fact that they tied it all together, that it never felt forced. Yeah. That Paul Newman was not recast and that they still made it work. And that it's, it's just so well done because you know, still waters run deep with Doc, and he doesn't emote much, 
So to see that privately, like, I buy this. I buy that privately he was so proud of Lightning McQueen and everything that he accomplished. This was just so well done. I also love that Pixar always does that and pays tribute to the actor and they use as much audio as they can before they recast the voice. I mean, some they just out and out recast. Like I mentioned Michael Keaton before and uh, Fillmore, they did recast George Carlin. But like for the most part, I mean, with Mr. Potato Head, they they managed to use all of the audio that they had, even with uh, Slink Dog, too. Yeah. Um, it's just so nice that they try to honor the actors, especially when it's a franchise that goes on this far. Um, another thing they did really well, this Florida racetrack, once we get there, the design is just in incredible i love how you have the stands right against the beach i know that obviously they're not going to call it daytona but it is very much supposed to emulate daytona even though daytona does not in fact go right out onto the beach but to me they they just again they they capture a moment in time and a place in time and they just nailed it a place that you've been to yeah a place that you can actually see um yeah it's it's not an exact replica but you can see at least the layout of the track. You can see where they drew inspiration from Daytona International Speedway. And it also kind of looks like Tron the way that they have the, uh, those curved the edges. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool. It all works without feeling like a total ripoff. Um, I love that Smokey's lesson didn't stop uh, with Doc's history, that he is now brought back in as a part of Lightning's crew. Um and I really like Lightning's realization that he knows that even though he's great, he just can't keep up anymore. And no matter how hard he worked, he is going to swallow that tough pill. It's not for it's not for lack of trying. It's not that he can't do it because he is holding his own. It's just that he simply can't keep up with the times, which is really tough to watch. Um we have seen him do this before where he gives up his spot so somebody else can win. We saw it with the King in the first one, but they did elevate it with him becoming Cruz's mentor and him being, you know, in her headset and helping her along. Which, of course, would never actually happen. No. They're, you're never going to switch cars. You can't switch. Dri if a driver gets injured in a race, they can't put another driver in the car. That, that, that's it. That car's out. So you're not going to switch the car, give them the same number. But again, we'll suspend that reality because you've got to have a movie here, right? Yeah. And of all the things that we were asked to suspend our disbelief for in Cars 2, this is nothing. Correct. Um, I do. The only thing that takes me out of it a little bit, I feel like they were slightly ripping off Karate Kid in the way that uh, all of the lessons that they've learned along the way. Now they have nicknames for like the Krabbies are sleeping and he's saying that into the headphones. I mean, it's so well done in Karate Kid and it's been recycled in how many other movies. Um, what's the point of having all of these different trainings if you can't recall them now? That's the point of training is to take what you learn, know your strengths and weaknesses and apply them to the situation at hand. But the you're a fluffy cloud. Like I didn't necessarily need those lines. Um, and especially because she knows to initiate these things anyway. And she's already won a demolition derby, which is a hell of a lot scarier than winning, you know, a race. 
where you don't have cars that are actively trying to... The, the goal is not to be the last car standing where right. you're actively being targeted. Right. I also... I mean, I'll completely buy that he's in her head trying to not let Jackson Storm get in her head. Right. And that you need those words of affirmation to block everything else out. But yeah, we didn't need the, uh, you know, fluffy cloud and all that kind of stuff. Um, otherwise, again, animation, absolutely incredible here. I love when uh, Lightning tells her to give us some smoke at the end and she does some donuts. That animation is incredible and I'm surprised that this is the first time we've seen them do it. Yeah, you haven't seen anybody do a burnout yet. No. Um, well, with all of that being said, um, they have to give Lightning the opportunity to make his decision, right? Right. Now, technically, he's won the race. Um, and I'm I'm fine with him deciding that he's going to become the crew chief and that he's going to repaint himself as the fabulous Lightning McQueen as a tribute for Doc. In Doc's colors. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Um, I guess you just can't have a happy ending for Sterling because it seems odd that he would have just gleefully sold the company he just bought to Dynaco. I mean, I love that for Dynaco and how they managed to bring everything full circle. Like, even for Tex, who's a character with very few lines, you managed to tie up his story and you don't let Rusty's down in the process either. Like everything all comes together. So that's great as far as landing that plane. But you're right. I mean, somebody's got to be the fall guy though, right? And and now all of a sudden, because she won, he respects Cruz. And now he wants to have her be the show pony. Well, he respects her as a meal ticket. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. He He only respects her as far as how many dollars she can bring him. So... After everything that she's just worked for, you're not going to have her buy into that. You can't. Right. Of course. Um, if she would have just taken the Dynaco offer and Lightning sticks it to Sterling and says, I'm going to keep racing under Rusty's, you could have ended the movie there and no one would have thought like, well, what about Sterling? Because Sterling would have got what was coming to him anyway because Lightning's going to stick around for as long as he wants. But it ties up nicely. Dynaco buys him and now Rusty's continues to be at the forefront because they're still his sponsor. Right. But he's not racing anymore, but he's at every race. And I assume at this point, he's also out there hawking his online racing school and his mud flaps and everything else. Right. Um, are we ready to start discussing our cast or, or do you have anything else uh, in regards to how this film concludes? No, let's talk about some of the new characters. Yes, yeah, starting with Cristela Alonso, who plays Cruz Ramirez. She's funny. Um, as I said, she reminds me of, a, of an 80s uh, fitness coach with an infomercial. Um, I like her backstory for the most part, other than the fact that they did write themselves into a corner with her being so dedicated and then not knowing what to do. I wish that they would have explained to us why and how somebody that did so much and was so ahead of the curve mm -hmm. somehow forgot how to do all of it. Right. Uh, what I do appreciate, though, too, is that even though you have her representing that new generation of you know, I'm fresh out of college and I know everything now and you don't until you get 
that cold splash of water from the real world. Um, the performance didn't have that cockiness. She managed to tone it down enough where you don't get that like Moana, I'm going to do it. You know, like the thing that would have just grated on my last nerve. She, she struck a really nice balance there. Yes. Nathan Fillion plays Sterling. Um, for what he was, he was fine. Um, I think you could have gotten anybody to be the smarmy businessman. Um, but I like Sterling as a character. Um, this is the thing. I mean, other than Jackson Storm, there's no real bad guy in the movie, right? And and he Storm's not even a bad guy. He's just an opponent. No, and the actor who voices him is the really the bad guy. But anyway, um, yeah, I was actually, as you said it, it just dawned on me. Like, there really is no villain in this movie. I like that it's just antagonists. The villain is really time itself. Yeah. Um, we'll just jump to Army Hammer, who plays Jackson Storm. Pass. Um, I mean, for what it was, I mean, the character's fine. I thought the performance of the character was fine. I think that the aesthetic look of the character and the voice actor, like, he did not seem out of place. He seemed like, if, like, that's the, that, that character, I'm gonna read a book by its cover. That's exactly how that character would behave. Right. No. And I buy it as far as everything from that next generation mentality. The I know, but this is where the ego that you don't get from Cruz comes in as far as I know better. And that's all channeled through Jackson Storm. Yes. Chris Cooper plays Smokey. I love Chris Cooper. Always. Um, and I thought that he was perfect in this role. Just missing a maniacal laugh, but we can overlook it. Kerry Washington plays Natalie Certain, uh, statistical analyst. She's on TV. Um, she pops in and out throughout the movie. Um, I wish that they would have given her... She seems like she has an epiphany at the end of the movie when Cruz Ramirez has her big win. But they don't really show... Like, she does not go on to, like, take Chick Hicks's television show and run with it. You know? Like, I wish that... For them to focus on her as having that moment, I wish they would have done a little bit more with her. Right. Especially because there is that line when we're first introduced where I forget exactly what Chick Hicks calls her. Something I, I think he just says she does the math or she does the numbers and she's like, no, I prefer the term statistical analysis um, or statistical analyzer, I should say. Um, so she corrects him and then we don't really do anything with that. Now that you bring it up, yeah, they really didn't other than Cruz they didn't really write in service of the ladies like you've completely annihilated Sally's character um you sort of empower Natalie but then you you dip your toes in the water and you drag them back out and then with Cruz we don't really get the why she was marginalized and you could have written towards it just being that she's a woman um so I, I think it would have been nice to see that kind of female empowerment. But otherwise, I mean, they didn't they, they didn't do a disservice to the characters. Like I, I buy all of the writing as far as female characters. It's just that you could have given their stories a little bit of an oomph as far as being empowered. I'm going to kind of group all of these characters together. Margot Martindale plays uh, Barnstormer Nash. You have Junior Johnson playing Junior Midnight Moon. I actually had forgotten to mention him uh, previously. Um, you have Isaiah Whitlock as River Scott. 
Uh, these are all those old school racers, those legendary racers that are in Thomasville. Um, and I, they're very much background secondary characters. Um, but I think that they had just enough screen time. I think their stories make sense. I think they help move the story forward. Um, and as much as I like them, I think we got just enough of them where you kept the runtime at a reasonable pace, but they played an important enough role. And I like that lineage with NASCAR. Like, all in all, well done. I disagree. I actually think they kind of stole the movie. I love them as much as I did the Radiator Springs population in the first one. They they just do such a great job with these B characters, but just breathing so much life into them. They're believable. You feel like you know them. And they end up stealing the scene. Final thoughts on Cars 3. Looking at the film on its own, is it perfect? No, but wow, did they land the plane. Um, I don't want to say trilogy-wise because it was... You really... Cars 2 is so vastly different, you can't really lump it in. There is the nice through line of Doc that they touch on in Cars 2 and they really deliver on here. But if if, if it was just Cars and then this was Cars 2, perfect. Um, but this was really great. I really enjoyed it. I love what it does to balance the history of racing with the old and new mentality, not just in racing that can be applied to sports business to anything. Really. I think it's just a great theme that they wrote to, and they just really, they did such a great job with it. Um, and then as far as where I stand with the cars trilogy, for me, it's one, three, and then two. I agree. One, three, two. I think the movie is near perfect. Um, there's only a handful of issues that I think they paint themselves into a corner with that prevent this from being a perfect film, not unlike the first. Um, I mean, I consider it a trilogy because there's three movies. It, right. You know, and it, it's a very imperfect trilogy because of the second film. But who knows? I don't think it's going to be a trilogy for that much longer because Disney cannot help themselves because Disney does not have a new and original idea and people will pay to see Lightning McQueen. So they've already said that they are open to the idea of doing a fourth Cars film. I hope that they don't for two reasons. Number one, give me something new. Number two, Owen Wilson had said that if we do a fourth film, I want to see it more like the second. Ooh. I want to see us kind of genre swap do something different you failed at it so poorly in the second movie what makes what makes the movie successful is when you didn't do that so if they're gonna go off and do another offshoot movie where it has nothing to do with racing as being the main plot point i don't think you should touch it or like what they did with planes. You had an entire offshoot. So if you're going to continue, because there's so much you can do with this world. You could do trains now, you know? But, and that would actually be a really nice tribute to Walt Disney because he loved trains. So it would be really nice to see something like that. But yeah, if if you're going to genre flip again, you're going to lose what makes these movies so great, which is the heart of it with these towns that you've created and the populations in this you know like found family that you find in these small communities it's it's great I don't you know 
would it be fun to see these characters again? Yeah, maybe if they're going to do it anyway, but not if you're going to make this spectacle of it. Yeah. Well, we want to know your thought, your thoughts on Cars 3. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. We already gave you that social media. We are also on threads and TikTok at Monoreal Radio. And for links to everything related to the show, it is online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.